It's time we shift our perspective on business and life and see that our businesses are the means to us living life first. Reinventing the way we go about our days as entrepreneurs, the Zero Wasted Days podcast is designed for dream makers and action takers, and also those who value going slow and savoring the moments in between. This is the essence of living a Zero Wasted Days life, and welcome to the Zero Wasted Days podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne Acteson, a former C-level executive turned seven-figure serial entrepreneur, transformational business coach, and I love helping women entrepreneurs merge strategy, feminine energetics, and embodiment to create outside-the-box business solutions to their challenges. In each episode of the podcast, I'm going to share how to redefine how you do business and learn how it can be the means to you living life first. I'm going to share interviews with inspiring people who can help you see how worthwhile it is to keep pursuing your dreams, share heartfelt stories I know you're going to relate to, and give you ideas and strategies to keep going after your biggest dreams. I hope you find value and inspiration here, and that will keep you coming back each and every week. I have some amazing guests lined up, as well as some solo episodes planned. So let's get into this week's episode. So welcome to this exciting episode of Zero Wasted Days, where I am welcoming one of my very first interviewees to my brand new podcast. And I am really excited and I continue to have these kind of early stage nerves. So I'll just be very honest about that as well. I am welcoming Robin Savage in with me today. And I have followed Robin for a few years through her various iterations in business from her femme brand right through to now as a solo entrepreneur and a brand strategist. And Robin, you know, really stood out for me when I was making my kind of like master list initially of like people that I really would love on my podcast. And Robin, you jumped out at the, off the list straight away as someone who really shares in my you know, zero wasted days philosophy and values of freedom and the flexibility that your, you know, your business gives you as a mom of two girls. In addition to all of those things, there was a big thing around your willingness to try and to give things a go and be courageous, which really wanted me to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Yay. Thank you. I'm so, so, so excited to be here and to be having this conversation. And Yeah, I align with so much that you have to say and our conversation, you know, before we hit record is just, I mean, I feel like you and I could go back and forth (laughs) about all of our values and dreams and ideals and the things that we'd like to teach through our work for so long. So I'm excited to have this, this conversation with you. So cool. So cool. And this is exactly yeah. why. And I think I said it in, in an episode that's come before. I just, I really said that, you know, at the end of the day, if I can have like a great conversations with people that I wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to have conversations with and already, you know, in our first little 10 minutes of, of, of having a chat, there's already, you know, an alignment in terms of, like you said, values and, and aspirations and dreams and things like that. And so this is exactly, you know, it, it fills me just with so much joy to, to connect with women like you. And I would love to know like and maybe you can describe to us kind of your journey in becoming an entrepreneur and and kind of getting here but also like whether this courage muscle that I mentioned I see in you was always there or was this something that you think you kind of acquired over time oh that's a great question and I think two different questions in here so I'm going to start with the (laughs) question about becoming an entrepreneur so For me, it was actually always about this sense of aliveness, you know, and I don't think I recognized it in the time I wouldn't have had the awareness or consciousness to say, oh, you know, my value is feeling alive and I'm prioritizing feeling alive. But all of the decisions that I made looking back in hindsight were really supporting this really innate desire to feel alive. Like I wasn't wasting a day, you know, and I had my dream job. I had just got back from traveling the world. My now husband and I had gone traveling for five or six months. And the whole time I was gone, I was emailing this potential employer and they didn't have any jobs available. There were no openings. So when I say potential employer, you know, I'd made this job up for myself and I kept emailing like, just, I'm going to be back in four months. Just hire me. I'm going to be back in three months. Just bring me in for an interview. I'm going to be back. And anyways, I ended up getting that job. And 
it was the dream job at the moment. It was, I was um, a lighting designer by trade and I was really excited about being in the showroom and being in the design industry and the people there were like my people and I'm still friends with one of the women. And, you know, I was so excited to be there and I had a little apartment in the city and then I would drive up to my mountain town. So I was kind of living both places and so much of it was exactly what I wanted. And then these little pings just started coming through. Like I had to start saying no to a lot of invitations. I found myself feeling really redundant in my work. So less creative than I was administrative Mm -hmm. and having conversations that weren't creatively inspired, but more sales driven and, you know, hitting targets and I just sort of over months and I I gave it a really solid go. Obviously I had, you know, really pushed to get this job and I was so excited about it, but I, I recognized pretty early on that I didn't want to waste days in that sense where I felt like, am I even contributing? You know, is this really making a difference to anyone? And beyond that, is it actually fueling me? You know, do I feel alive in these moments? And I think this was an interesting realization for me. Like the idea of that job was really it. You yeah. know, the idea of that job brought me alive and and gave me this feeling of like, yes. But when I was in it, mm. I didn't feel anything. You know, I felt really neutral. And so that like, that's not it for me. You know, feeling just like neutral, you yeah. know, it, it yeah. is not it. So that drove me to make a change. And I became an entrepreneur, not knowing, you know, a damn thing about starting a business. I was 25 years old. I had just moved across the country for love. So this kind of ties in the second part of your question about courage and this like, just try it energy. I do think that has been a part of me. Yeah. For a really long time, but I never knew it until actually another podcast recently, one of the women who was interviewing me was like, the word that I think of when I think of you is gutsy. I was like, oh, I've never considered myself gutsy. And then it brought on this whole conversation about how much these choices require of us, you know, in terms of being really courageous and being willing and being gutsy and giving ourselves permission to try and trusting ourselves that we'll figure it out. So this is kind of, I think, you know, an underlying driver in all of these choices and and still to this day is that I trust myself, you know? So what may seem ridiculous or really courageous or brave to someone else for me really isn't questioned because I trust myself to figure it out. I trust myself that I'm making the right choice. I trust myself that there's a lesson in it. I trust that even if it doesn't go the way I think it's meant to, it's going to take me exactly where I'm meant to go. So yes, I have always been courageous, but that's also just so intertwined with my almost this like need to experience life and feel alive. So yeah, I've just always trusted that feeling if that, if that makes sense. And I think also when you have, and I'm just thinking, you know, at the different, like at every pivot that you have in life and looking at, you know, the pivots that I've made in my life, it might be a new perspective or a kind of a new vision, but I'm like, of course, that's going to become a reality. Of course, that's going to happen. I've got no idea how I'm going to make that happen, but I trust a hundred percent that I can do that thing. You know, like, I don't know how it's going to be when we get to the other end in France. Like we've booked an Airbnb, but we have our seven suitcases and our three kids. Do I have any idea how it's going to pan out? No, I've got no idea, but I trusted that a hundred percent, you know? And so to, in order to flex that, you know, that courage muscle, you have to have that inherent trust in yourself. You know, I think through our lives, we probably amass evidence that, you know, it's, it's always worked out for us. I think if you're that kind of person where you kind of energetically vibrate at that kind of frequency, where you trust in yourself and it's, it's powerful when you, when you do, and those things, two things together can be a really magic combination, I think. Yeah. A magical combination. And I think there's something in that, right? For me, part of that is not being attached to a certain outcome or a certain result and really going into something with this knowing that 
this is going to go exactly the way that it's meant to go. And I'm going to show up the way that I desire to show up in a way that I'm proud of in a way that's going to teach me the lesson that I am here to learn. But ultimately, as soon as I let go of attachment to any sort of result and what I actually think it should look like, I can hold my manifestation. I can hold the desire for how I want it to go. But you know, as soon as I let go of that result, then the trust is just that it's going to go a certain way. It it may not go the exact way that I think it should go, but I, now I don't think it should go a certain way. So now I just get to enjoy the ride. Right. And I think there's something else that I realized pretty early on is, you know, and, and the pandemic taught a lot of us this exact same lesson, but even the things that we think are predictable Mm. aren't. Right. Like we expect to wake up tomorrow morning. We expect to have the same job in three months. We expect that this is going to happen and this is going to happen, but we, we don't know. Right. And so I think when we put all of our trust in the predictable and the predictable doesn't go the way that we think it's going to, then it kind of teaches us also like, okay, wait a minute. If I'm putting all of my eggs in that basket, I'm putting all of my trust, all of my faith in something that I really relied on, something that seemed really predictable. And then that thing didn't happen. Well, then how risky actually is this Yes. bet on myself? How risky is this if even the predictable isn't actually reliable? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so in your, in your life now, so as a, you know, as a brand strategist, you're a mom of two kids, you know, one of the things that I, that I value that I know you value is having the flexibility, having the freedom and being able to live more, you know, life first and let that be the thing that fuels your, fuels your business. How do you do this? Like it's, it's easy for us to talk about it. And I think people kind of like get the philosophy, understand it, but how do you actually practice it? So are there things that you do inside your business that help you kind of actually practice putting your life first, you know, ahead of, ahead of your business? Yeah, I think as an entrepreneur, I will, I want to start out by saying that I do think that this is a constant practice, Mm. right? I think that as our business goes through these, like, you know, iterations and versions and growth phases and challenges or whatever it is, I think we constantly have to practice this choice, right? This like choice muscle of putting life first, putting ourselves first, which is something that so many of us weren't ever taught and being able to prioritize our energy, our wellness, our relationships over the results, the success, the the growth, the productivity. So I do want to say that this is something for me that is in constant work. Like it's a constant work in progress. So by no means do I feel like, oh, I've nailed this, you know, like oh, I'm no. not one of those coaches or or people, entrepreneurs who works three hours a week and is like, oh, the two hour work week, you know, and what a multiple six figures, like that's, that's not me. So I do just want to set that, you know, that have that real conversation first that I think, yeah, it's this constant refinement and, and work in progress, but I have a really obvious fire in my body, right? In my belly, in my spirit. And when that fire goes out and I feel my spark sort of fading, it's really obvious. Mm -hmm. And that guides me. So I've learned to trust that and I've learned to stay really aligned with it and to like have these conversations with myself. Like that's my aliveness, right? Like that's why I started this entrepreneurial journey in the first place. So if that fire starts to go out and I'm starting to feel like I'm not getting enough time with my girls, if I'm feeling like I want to volunteer at their school, but I can't because I'm working too much. If I feel like I'm too busy to have date days or, or have like real conversations with my husband, or I'm not scheduling time for myself to have, you know, all of the privileged things that I get to experience here in Canada, but like acupuncture and massages. And if I'm not going for daily walks and moving my body, like, is that fire burning? Sure. You know, and I've been through so many seasons where the fire is not burning, right? Or I'm doing things outside of really cultivating the fire to 
to sort of flare the fire up, like, you know, going on a quick trip that that gives me that like quick hit or going out for drinks with friends that gives me that like quick momentary. Ooh, yeah, there it is. There's that feeling. But we really need to tend to those inner fires of our real radiance, right? Like our real selves, our real inspiration. And for me, that really does require just staying committed and staying aligned with the things that I I know that I want to be doing. So one of the questions that I ask myself is, at the end of the day, will I be proud of this choice? Okay, so my husband and I with our kids, we sort um, with his work schedule, it's really easy for him to drop the kids off at school right now. And this is just a kind of a silly example, but I love taking my kids to school. Yes, It's easier for me not to. Right. It's easier for me to say, yeah, you just take them because then I'll just get into my work day. Yeah. But on the days when I don't have an early morning call or something to do, I will go beyond the comfort zone just being like, oh, yeah, you just take them to school because it's easier for me to actually take them to school or to pick them up at the end of the day, even though, you know, we, we have a way for them to be picked up. But if I do that thing and go take them, go for the walk, go drop them off, go pick them up then for me at the end of the day, that is the thing that I remember, right? That's what fills my cup. That's what makes me feel like, oh, I did that. And I'm so proud of myself. And that's one example. But I think there's so many little examples like that, where we have to allow ourselves to choose the thing that's a little bit uncomfortable, or the thing that's not exactly the easiest or most convenient, or the thing that really does, you know, even require like a little extra, like going for the walk, even though it's pouring rain, or doing the yoga class late at night with a candle lit, whatever it is, but to really stoke that fire and to keep it going. Because one of the things that I've noticed is just when we choose the easy path, and we keep just like, oh yeah, I'll just do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And we get into this sort of mindless rhythm of things happening and and like staying in the endless drain feels like sometimes that's when for me, I lose that alignment and I lose that fire and, and sense of aliveness and inspiration. Yeah. I love that use of the word alive, aliveness, because that's kind of like your barometer. And I think that a lot of people will, you know, identify with that. And if you're coming back to that place of you know, of feeling alive and you can feel that, like we all feel that in different places. I feel it in my gut, right? Like it's that that intuition and that feeling of, of aliveness. And you touched on a couple of things. So, you know, that I think are really important, like the prioritization of, even though it's not necessarily the easiest thing, like the easier option is for your husband to take the kids to school, but you know how that fills you and how, you know, it puts you in the schoolyard at the front of the, you know, and you get to have those conversations with either other moms or uh, the teachers. And I remember it very, very, you know, clearly. And I think making the right choices, those are the priorities, you know, is is absolutely fundamental to you, you know, practicing the life first thing, because like you said, it's absolutely takes practice. It's not like I'm standing here on my pedestal, like, you know, zero wasted days. I'm I'm like the, you know, the queen of doing this. Like, (laughs) I have to like bloody practice it on a daily basis. And especially I think also when we love our work, like when we love our work, we can get so into, you know, sitting there and plowing away all hours a day and a night that we can miss, miss the point and not, and, and become disconnected with the things that are the most important in our lives. Yeah. And I think that that is a big one for me. You know, I write for a living, you know, like I write for my clients, I write for my own brand and I write for myself, right? Mm -hmm. I write letters to my kids and journals. I'm constantly just in this creativity vortex. And it's really interesting because from my family's perspective, they can never really tell if I'm working Mm -hmm. or playing or working or playing or working or playing. And I think it's interesting. It's a really good point that you bring up, like to check in with ourselves once in a while, like, am I prioritizing things that are really important to me? And can I let myself get really into this? And can I let myself, you know, have the nights where I stay up late with my own work or, or the weekends where I, you know, take myself on a weekend work retreat or whatever it is, but can I also then come back to the other things that are important to me and not let them deteriorate? Right. And one of the things I think about so much is relationships, right? Like, am I giving other people the same attention that I'm giving my business. And, yes. and the and other one is yourself, right? 
yourself totally <laughs> yeah your relationship with, with yourself with a group of Canadian actually Canadian women was like coming home this week and and a couple of them had said you know I wish I could have more time to myself and and then I got them all to do this little exercise of like write down a list of you know just they were just doing it mentally who are the priorities in your life and you, when you start writing the list, you put your kids, you put your husband, you put your family. Many times when people make that list, they don't put themselves at the top. You have to be at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. Totally. So one, if you're not, you know, not spending more time with yourself and you're always serving others, and this is, you know, a big problem, but a challenge that women have, you know, women, women as nurturers, we naturally serve others and don't want to ask for help and all those kind of things. But if we are doing that, we're doing everybody else down the list a disservice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think there are, you know, there's a call for women to be changing that generationally now, you know, like I think so many of us are realizing, okay, if, if I don't teach my daughters to put themselves first, then we're just going to continue this lineage of people pleasing and self-sacrifice and not knowing what we want, right? I think that this is one of the things that happens when we stop prioritizing ourselves is we lose a connection with what makes us happy. We lose the knowing of who we are and what we really want. So when it comes to speaking that out loud, like what would I do right now if I had a day to myself? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women would choose to work on their business or tidy the house. You know, like I don't even know what I want. And I went through this phase right after my, my, I mean, my kids are still pretty young, but through that phase of like postpartum and, you know, you're really connected to them bodily. I was breastfeeding them and moving through like really close pregnancies and, you know, and right after I started to have that little bit of separation and alone time. And I was like, huh, what would I do right now? If I, you know, like what, who am I like now that I've moved through this next season. I think that's a really important question to ask ourselves because we will default to work. We Mm. will default to serving others and tending to others and nurturing others if we don't know what we need and what we want. So I think that's so important to know. Yeah. And I think a lot of then when we have this business alongside our our life and as entrepreneurs, we tend to think that we're going to get our, we're going to feel fulfilled and feel this happiness when we get to this certain point or milestone in our business. And so they, we keep on fueling this, this thing over here, the business and thinking that's the thing that's going to make us happy as opposed to really kind of doing the work that is actually where the happiness lies, which is within, within us. I mean, sometimes the work that I do with my clients is like, it sounds simple, but is on the energetic side. I have this thing called life first embodiment. I'm like, what do you do? Like I have so many clients that really struggle with regulating their nervous systems, having, you know, things that they can do for themselves and learning how to prioritize themselves, but also just things like hobbies or like, I don't know what I do. Like I've turned cooking into a chore. You know, I don't want to do this to the other. So sometimes it's coming back to, and, you know, to realize and to re-identify, you know, with your own identity is finding little things like hobbies. Like for me, definitely, you know, gardening and the, my plants and that just like baking and all that kind of stuff. Like I just lose myself in that. That's my, that's my meditation. And I want to just also make a point because for a while I used to think this is so important for women to teach their girls, but my three boys also need to see the model of how a woman, you know, can put herself first. It's not just about the way my husband treats me, that I run a business, that I have been, there's been times when I've been the breadwinner. There's been times when my husband's been the breadwinner that I will say, you know, mommy needs some quiet time. And they often say, is this really, are you struggling? Is Or what do they say? Is your nervous system struggling? Or, you know, I'm like, this is just too loud. This is way too much for my nervous system. So then they spit that back at me, which I think is quite funny, but you know, boys and girls at the, the our children, yes. next generations both need to because invariably those boys are going to probably be with girls or even a, in a couple or whatever they end up being in and they need they need this to be modeled yes yes and I think that with my daughters all the time you know this I mean I I love for them to see me actively working I love they know how much I love my work they know what I do and they know how well to you know to an extent but I I think it's important that we yeah, teach our kids, but also that we are having these conversations with other women Mm -hmm. to say, it's okay to take the break. You know, it's all right to not move as fast as the world 
told you to move. It's okay not to climb the ladder by the time you're 30 or to have all these checkboxes done. And I'm like, I really think that we're redefining a new pace. And to me, that pace is dictated by aliveness. So I think that, you know, everyone's going to move and and be able to handle a different amount of work, a different amount of responsibility and pressure when it comes to business. But I think, yeah, if you feel alive and if you feel like, yeah, my, my priorities are in order, I'm living my values like we were talking about earlier, and I feel really proud, right? I, I think this is one of the conversations my husband and I have often, like, would I be proud of this decision? Am I proud of the outcome or the effort that I put into this? Am I proud of the choice that I made? It really does come back to that often for me. But I really think that in having these conversations, even we're teaching women to, to lead differently in their own lives and in their leadership so that, yeah, that can just like spiral out and hopefully change the way that we're taught to work really. To become so much disconnection between our businesses and ourselves and this kind of constant striving for what we what we desire and what we want and these dysregulated nervous systems you know while while we go and this kind of continual dissatisfaction despite hitting you know major milestones it's not that seven figures that's going to make you happy if you haven't done that work yourself and that's right you talked recently on a recent podcast about overcoming adversity and you know, I'd love to know since we're talking about, you know, like energy and, you know, holding that vision and staying in your power as a leader, like you talked about, you know, how you can stay on track energetically when, and and strategically when you are in a place of disappointment or rejection or hitting up against a brick wall, or you're just in a hard spot. Can you shed some light on what you talked about? Cause I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, there's a few things. So Holding the disappointment and, you know, there's so much that can come up there, right? I recently went on a healing journey personally to look at a lot of my childhood trauma. And as our marriages go through stuff and our kids go through different phases and like life is just constantly moving in these cycles, right? And then we have business, which we have hopes and dreams for. And when that doesn't go the way that we planned or hoped, we're holding this disappointment while we're still trying to create the vision. So there's so much of this duality, right? That's allowing us or inviting us to hold two really big emotions at the same time. And for me going through this like really deep healing and still showing up for my multiple six figure business and my clients and my community and my brand and my goals was really interesting because I was going through this like deep heavy, dark healing in my personal life. And then also this like really outward forward facing educational, you know, kind of like doing both at the same time. And so my work is branding. And so my core message and thing that I want everyone in the world to know is that the brand is you, right? And so if that's the case, then all of these things have to be able to fit inside of our brand, the healing, the disappointment, the, oh gosh, the shadow work, the sick kids at home, the the interruption from by the argument in your marriage, but also the knowing that we can do hard things and we can do both. Like we can be disappointed and create something beautiful. We can be going through healing and still show up for our work. And we can be angry with our partners and still love them at the same time. And this has been such a huge shift in the way that I've been able to show up for my work and show up for my kids and and my clients and my husband and my life. Like nothing that you're going through isn't contributing to the the big picture. Nothing that you're going through, whether it's, you know, a low vibrational feeling or a failure or something really hard and heavy isn't contributing to where you want to go. So I think one of the things that happens is we start to look at things as good and bad, right? And we categorize events and experiences and outcomes as good, bad, win, loss, right, wrong. And any given day, if three things go wrong, well, what happens to your energy? 
right? You sink and you're below the line and you're defeated and it becomes really hard to show up for your business or it becomes really hard to show up as the intentional mother, it becomes really hard to be a loving partner when you've got all these check boxes that are wrong or negative or, you know, bad. And yeah. so when we stop actually labeling the things that are happening and start recognizing all of these things are contributing to where I want to go, all of these things are teaching me what I need in order to evolve to get to the next level or to get to where I want to be, to get to that place of just pure joy, mm-hmm. right? Which doesn't require us to get to a next level. It just requires us to be more us, In our right? Lives. Yeah, in our lives and and feeling that sense of aliveness. So this was really interesting for me. I like broadened the spectrum of aliveness. Like uh, being alive isn't only available to me. It's not only good when things are good, right? Aliveness also exists in the challenges. Aliveness also exists in the darkness, in the rest days, in the moments where I'm like, fuck, how am I going to do this? You know, or like what comes next? So opening this spectrum and like broadening my ability to see and feel and hold all of it at the same time. I mean, it did wonders for my leadership, but it also made me less judgmental of my self, of others, of experiences, of occasions, of situations, and not letting myself be disappointed by specific outcomes and like neutralizing that and also beyond neutralizing it, really feeling this aliveness in the disappointment has allowed me to make progress a lot faster, right? Because low vibrational feelings like disappointment, embarrassment, shame, guilt, they all slow us down. Yes. Right. So it's really allowed me to be like, okay, what are we learning here? How does this feel? Sit in the feeling, acknowledge it, Be with it, let yourself, you know, really honor it and then shift it and move it. Right. So I think it's a a really important conversation to have because I think there's just so much, you know, obviously curation of Instagram and social media profiles that we we see and then we compare and people think that it's all tickety-boo and there's no like, you know, holding this duality of the pain and the suffering and the healing. I think it's important for leaders to be talking about this more. And the more that we are talking about it and showing this and, and finding a way of making it real, the more authentic we are absolutely being and speaking, you know, to our audience. It's those vulnerable shares. It's those things when you're like, crap, it's not working or I'm feeling like shit today. And that really helps you connect with your audience. My coach talks about, you know, this emotional surface, this space that we have to be able to like hold the pain and be in the suffering right through to the, you know, the joy and the gratitude and the celebration. Yeah. I love that. The emotional surface, right? Like bigger, right? More surface space for all of those feelings. And a lot of us know this, but you know, the more we can experience the disappointment, the more we're going to experience the celebration, yes. right? So it's it's like, you can't be afraid of the bad feelings if you want to experience the good ones. So allowing them all to be a part of the journey and not, yeah, not hiding. I mean, the brand is you, right? It's like yeah. my, my thing. So if the brand is us, then yeah, we've got to be able to have these conversations with each other. We've got to be transparent and honest and real about our journeys and what it takes and and building that connection with other people only happens when we allow it to be real, right? Only happens when we allow it to be human to human, heart to heart. And so I, I really believe the more we allow the brands to be us, not this perfect reflection of us or this, you know, curated Instagram feed of, you know, the highlighted moments and, and the wins and the big milestones, but also the like what it took to get me here and the struggles I had and, and how I can teach you or what I can tell you about holding disappointment and success at the same time. And um, yeah, I think that that part of the conversation is just so important because we start to recognize and we start to notice that, oh, I'm not the only one. Right. I'm not the only one who's navigating this. I'm not the only one who's failing at this or figuring this out. And that's when we create a a world, Mm. not to be too general, but we create a world where we feel like we all belong. Right. Where our humanness is acceptable and yeah, safe. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, for me, it's that resonance in our content, like that real, yes. you know, like that, that resonance. And also I think you had a, I don't know which one it was. You had a podcast episode about, you know, this kind of it's a curated version of your life. You can show the vulnerability and you, you know, you can show behind the scenes and things within your life. And it's important to share some of this. Obviously you don't need to air all of your dirty laundry all the time. So yes. it, it's, you know, it is a slightly curated version because it is a brand that you're, you know, and so go and go and find on Robin's podcast back, back to the beginning of it, where she talks a lot about this. And it's really, I think it's just really helpful because a lot of us share it on, on social media and it's been helpful for me in my business. Yeah. I think it's important that piece, right? Like where you begin and your brand ends, like mm-hmm. learning um, what needs to be processed in your life with your best friends and your therapist yes. and what yes. is is valuable for your audience. And it's not that our vulnerability and processing isn't valuable. It's Mm. that I think a lot of us feel an inner sense of responsibility or we're we're lacking boundaries to hold ourselves in this sacredness of privacy. Mm. Right. And so that's where the importance comes in, I think, is like having these conversations with yourself. And this, you know, lends to the conversation of living your life first and, and doing your business second is like, is this a sacred moment for the privacy of me and my family? Or is this a moment that I want to intentionally capture some content around, but we live in a world now where the two just come together and they blend so easily that if we are not really highly aware of that and intentional and making the choice moment to moment and building a habit around that, then we do end up working all the time or on our phones all the time or on social media all the time. So yeah, that, that podcast episode, I can't remember. I think it might be called where you begin in your, or something like that, but there's a lot of conversations like that over on my podcast uh, for sure, because I, I definitely think it's important to discern between the two. Yeah. And I think also the, you know, when you are going to share those kind of things, social media tip that that I've always done and I you reiterated was like connect the dots for people like don't just put a picture of your food you know yes the dots or you're you know you're at the playground with your kids and you're going to take a picture because you're experiencing flexibility and you've been able to you know pick up the kids at school like make that evident and make it like storytell like tell the people why why that's important to you and how it relates back to your brand and then personally I usually kind of take pictures and different things and what I'm doing in the day. And then I do, and I don't know if Instagram likes this or not, but I don't give, I don't care. I I store those things and then I curate them at the end of the day. So I'm not interrupting my whole day all every five minutes. I kind of, you know, and I'm sure everybody has different, different ways of doing this, but it allows me to be in the moment when I'm having lunch or having whatever and snap a shot because even if I just don't even use it, I'm happy to have it for later. And then I see whether or not it forms part of my story for that day. Yes. Yeah. And I suggest that strategy to a lot of my clients because otherwise, I mean, taking a picture is taking a picture, right? But taking a picture, uploading it with a filter, putting text on top of it, adding hashtags, shrinking the location, finding the right music. Like if you're going to do it right, then it takes a minute, right? So I think taking the picture is, I always say to my daughters, why are you taking a picture? I'm like, I'm capturing the memory. Like I want to remember this. And if we look back to why we took pictures you know, years ago before social media, that was it, right? It's it's to remember a moment. And I think if we go back to that in the way that we capture content, like, oh, I want to remember this. And then exactly like you said, we we intentionally go back to curate the story. We're still showing real moments from our, our day. We're still showing that maybe we're talking about the challenge or the amount of courage it took us to actually get there to have the conversation or, you know, the amount of like grit it took to do the yeah. workout today when we finally, yeah. whatever, got it done. But we can then tell the story and share with this level of intentionality that also doesn't typically exist if we're just like, here's a selfie in the middle yeah. of the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I was going to say, how do you, given that, you know, talking a little bit about strategy, how do you, and I love a bit of strategy, how do you ensure that your business strategy, whether that's content sales, you know, any part of your business strategy serves you and helps you thrive and support the life that you want and all the things that you, that you desire? I just wrote a post about this. And so there's three things that I consider when I'm strategizing in my business and it's what's my energetic capacity. So what can I mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually hold right now, right? I'm not going to plan for a boom in quarter if I'm burnt out, 
if my kids are going through something big, if I feel drained, if I feel, you know, if I'm in one of those seasons where I just, I, I'm not quite clear that my energy isn't at its, you know, most expansive best self. So I want to honor my energy. So first and foremost, like what's my energetic capacity and, and I plan quarterly. So if for the quarter ahead, how am I feeling going into the quarter? Secondly, I look at my financial goals. What are my financial responsibilities and what are my financial desires? And there's a big difference between the two, right? Like what are the bills I have to pay? So what's the amount of money I have to make? And then if I feel energetically prepared to shoot for the stars this month, then what are my desires? And I I think that we get confused in the entrepreneurial world between these two things because, you know, it's always like this underlying mindset of like more, 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 more. And honestly, if we look at our financial responsibilities and we say, okay, if I make 10K this month, then we're good. You know, my mortgage is paid. I've got money in the bank. I'm like groceries, whatever. We can look at this. um, And I just chose 10K as an arbitrary number, but we can choose to make that amount of money. And then we can set a goal that just allows our nervous system to rest after that, right? Or to be like, okay, we can consider our income like, you know, equivalent to a paycheck or whatever it is and be like, okay, can that be enough? And I I think that our quit line in the entrepreneurial world just doesn't exist a lot of the time because we're constantly like trying to grow and there's positives to that. But also if we give ourselves permission to say, okay, I've, I've hit my goal. I've hit my, you know, my target for this month? Can I allow myself to rest? Do I need more? And and even having that conversation can be really powerful with ourselves. But this is something else that I um, plan with, you know, that I strategically lead with are my, my finances and then also my personal life. So I'll look at the season. Okay. Are we heading into summer? And what does that look like? Okay, are both my kids home from school? How much do I want to work in the summer? What what have we got going on? And I'll look at things like birthdays, holidays, PD days, doctor's appointments. And I know it sounds like kind of nitty gritty, but looking ahead and seeing, you know, over the next three months, what have I got going on in my life and planning my business around that means that I'm not leading with my business First, it means I'm not putting my business ahead of my life and prioritizing my launches or, you know, my social media or whatever it is over my personal life, my family, my priority. So that really allows me to strategize in a way that supports my lifestyle. And then ultimately, if you were to look back at the end of June, you yes. know, in the next quarter, you know, you could you could probably stand in your in your truth and say, yeah, I feel like I'm thriving. You know, I feel like I really, you know, it's, it's supporting where I'm want, I want to get to. It's like a real strategy. It's not just saying, okay, here's my business strategy outside of everything else, which is my life. You know, it's actually putting all of those things you know, into the mix. And yes. I do this on a weekly basis with as a kind of like a scheduling tool that I've created called my soulful schedule. I like touch in my, you know, with myself on a weekly basis, like depending on how my energy is ebbing and flowing, what the moon is doing, where I'm, how I'm cycling. If I'm feeling frazzled and we're going into a new moon and whatever it might be, I may be getting my period. I will not, you know, be scheduling as much stuff to be outputting and I think also content wise, I think it's really powerful to be like scheduling content in your luteal phase and like all that kind of stuff. So when you can get granular on that kind of stuff, it is for me, it's been game changing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. I have not followed any of my questions that I have on my screen behind, <laughs> behind us. And we've just gone from one fun question to the next, but let me just see what other questions I was going to ask was around this kind of harnessing and maximizing of our energy. And I think we've talked about it, you know, trying to, you know, we have finite hours in our week and how do we, you know, maximize our productivity when it does come time to sitting down and doing our work. But I think, you know, we've kind of answered that question as well is by being able to be at that frequency of joy and love and dropping the kids off in the morning that when you do sit at your desk, you are feeling more uber productive. And when you are, you know, thinking of the seasons and thinking of different cycles that are happening, and this is the 
beautiful opportunity I believe that we have as women entrepreneurs is very post-patriarchal is to harness all of this and then to really tap into our truths and to go against the norm of what we learned in corporate and what was trying to be groomed out of us in very patriarchal kind of corporate ways. And I just think that there's an amazing opportunity. And this is when I do stand on my soapbox and I do kind of get a bit more excited about this because I just think that as female entrepreneurs in particular, there's an untapped opportunity and just a completely new narrative that we can have around this. So that wasn't a question. That was just me on the soapbox. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. And one of the tools that I use for myself and for my clients who have a really hard time with this like productivity piece or knowing what to do, you know, like I remember when my kids were really little and like they nap and they'd nap for like an hour and then you'd be like, okay, I have an hour, you know, that energy of like, what do I do? You're like, do I, I'll work out and I'll send the email at the same time. And then I'll be like, you're just like, oh my gosh. But I offer this like three daily non-negotiables, right? Like what are three daily non-negotiables that you can put on your checklist, you know, that every day, you're like, okay, I brush my teeth, I wash my face, I get dressed, and I post an Instagram story, I check in with my clients, and I write an email, you know, like, what are three things that you can do every day? And, And I think it can be really easy to feel like we're not being productive or to get lost in the productivity wheel, because there's so much we could be doing, right? It's like endless as an entrepreneur, you could always be doing more. But if you commit to three daily non-negotiables and just always know that you're getting those things done, no matter what, which might mean you're staying up 15 minutes later than you wanted to, or you're waking up 15 minutes earlier, or you're not watching Netflix for half an hour because you're going to finish that email that you said you'd finish. But staying committed to those three daily non-negotiables, again, at the end of the day, you can look back and ask yourself, like, am I proud of what I did today? And if you did those three things, I know for myself that, that that practice in that is like, can that be enough? Right. Can I look at the three things that I said I was going to do that I did and honor that rather than getting stuck in that loop of, yeah, but I didn't do this. I didn't finish my website. I didn't launch a YouTube channel. I didn't, you know, start my podcast. It's like, okay. Right. So endless. The list will be endless. endless. Exactly. And an important thing that I learned from Kate Northrup was the kind of 80, 20 rule around how, you know, 80% of the productivity and efficiency happens in 20% of our business. So it's actually seeing where you're getting the biggest bangs for your buck. I call it, you know, finding your low hanging fruit. Like if, if you know you are in a period of needing to, you know, sell more, then you need to be making, you know, that a priority in, in, in your business and doing like, yeah. just, you know, outreach or those emails and making sure that that is where you're focusing your time and your energy, not in the things that are feeling comfortable. Like you just love going and playing in Canva and creating graphics all day That's long. Right. That's right. Exactly. You're going to get, you know, your biggest bang for your buck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love Um, that. Right. So I'm going to scurry over some of the other questions that I had just in light of of, of time as well. And I'm going to just get on through to our very last question, which is more of like a fun question. You've mentioned you've traveled. I know that you've got, you know, other aspirations of traveling as well. And my question that I'm asking everybody is to tell us about your top three places that you have traveled to and the top three places that you want to go to. Ooh, top three and three. Lisbon, Portugal is one of the places that I just loved so much. Florence, Italy. I'm, I like, I love Europe so much. Florence, I loved. And oh, no, Sara, Costa Rica just has like a really special place in my heart. Spent a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would have to say no, Sara is one of my favorite places and top three places that I want to go. So I'm Hungarian. My mom's side of the family is Hungarian. So I'd love to take my grandmother there. I would love to travel to Patagonia. You know, and yeah. pardon? Is Patagonia in Argentina? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and I would love to go to, oh my gosh, so many places. I'd love to like do a van trip across New Zealand. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's been on my list for a long time, but I mean, everywhere I want to <laughs> see everywhere. Hard questions. I know yeah. uh, it's just a very, you know, one of my core values is spirit of adventure. And so I just love to see, you know, where people have been, where they've gone. I was having a conversation with somebody in the, in my DMS recently 
And she said something, I said, oh, she, she asked me something about my travels. And, and then I said, oh, where had you been? And she says, she's never been out of her country. She'd never been out of the US. And I was like, oh, I've never, you know, I don't speak to that many people who've never been outside of their country. Yeah. Oh, these are two other other things with my kids. I'd love to go to Disney World with my kids just to like see the awe and wonder yeah. of their, you know, yeah. I'm just like, I'm excited for that moment. And um, a safari in mm-hmm. Africa is a big one on our on our list where we started saving up for that one a while ago because yeah. I don't kids can't go until they're 12. And <gasps> really? I, yeah, I don't think they're they're allowed until they're 12. Oh, that might be problematic for me. <laughs> It's actually one of my, uh, well, I haven't paid for anything or anything like that, but I have a 20 year plan and okay. I did this with a coach years and years and years ago. And if you actually put um, all of the years, like for the next 20 years on a piece of paper, and then you put your names, your name, your husband and your kids across the top and you put all the key dates, it's a really cool thing to do all the key dates on it. Like your birthday, when you're turning 40, when you're turning 50, when she's oh. going to school, it's, it's super cool. So you get this on this and I ended up doing it on this little, little book. And on two pages, I was like, oh my gosh, my youngest at the end of the two second page is going to be gone. Like he's going to be 18. Like there's my life. There's my life with my children on two small little pages. I ended up being wow. like, yeah. And anyway, so on this, on this document that I have done, I've redone it a few times is that my, when I was 30, I said I was going to Italy when I was going to, when I turned 40 and I did that somehow, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I had a four month old baby and we're just like, oh, we're going like we, my parents needed to see him. And they came across from Canada and Rob's parents came to, to Italy. It was literally one of those, like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I just opened my business and whatever, but it happened. when you put it out there and you set that intention, yeah. consciousness to it, it, it absolutely met. You can manifest it. Now my yeah. 50th is supposed to be safari. But my littlest is only going to be 10, I think. Yeah, he's only going to be 10. Look, look so. into it. I I could be wrong. Look into okay. it. But, but that. I mean, it's pretty close. Amazing. I could do it two years after. But yeah, my 50th is also safari. So yes. because my boys were going to be 10, 14 and 18. So maybe they'll be 12, 16 and 20. But yeah, don't oh remember it. And yeah, and it's not one you can just like, you know. No. The, the trouble. No. And you, you know, you want to plan it and do it right. And yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Exciting. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to go and Google that. How old are the kids? Yeah, do it. <laughs> do it. Thank you so much for just, yeah, having this conversation and the aliveness. You know, I love having conversations like this because they, yeah, bring bring forth that sense of aliveness and connection. And it's so nice to have conversations with people that you just align with and feel connected to. And it's yeah. been so nice. I should be the one saying thank you for coming on the podcast and that pure kind of just conversation, the fact that I haven't followed any of my notes and just made up questions as I've gone is just testament to the fact that we could probably spend another hour talking and chatting. And if you need to talk and chat about travel and, you know, forthcoming plans, maybe then I'm always here. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Zero Wasted Days podcast. I truly hope you found it to be valuable and inspirational as you work to create a life by your own design. I would love you to rate and review this episode to let everyone else know about it and help me share this important message with the world. All you need to do is screen grab your review, share it on socials, and tag me in to win a $100 Airbnb voucher that I'll be giving away every single month.